0: the 22nd Sunday after Pentecost, November 10th, 2019. Sermon titled, Living Tradition. Scripture readings for meditation can be found in Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 15, the epistle of Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 8 and 13 to 17, and our gospel reading of Luke chapter 20, verses 27 to 40. Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. There's nothing new under the sun. The same issues seem to face us every day. New tasks to accomplish at work that never seem to cease. Once one thing is finished, it's on to the next one. Another project or homework assignment, followed by an eventual and inevitable test at school. Even the church has faced some of the same issues for numerous years. Some now that the church faces can be seen some 500 years ago at the Reformation, some even more than 1,500 years ago at the time of the early church fathers, and some issues can be traced back to the time of Christ. We can see this in our gospel reading. Not only is there nothing new under the sun when it comes to issues, but the same can be said for traditions as well but that's not a negative thing because many traditions were established to preach and to teach against issues in our lives. Some traditions became traditions over time concerning practical reasoning and others just seem to have been passed down seemingly since the dawn of time. Many aspects of our lives, we find ourselves interacting with both issues and traditions. For example some of us may have established the tradition of working out each morning or once a day. A tradition most likely established to combat the issue of aging bodies and health concerns. A tradition established out of necessity from a negative issue. Other times, we might have traditions within our families that have been seemingly passed down throughout the ages, done so first for a practical reason, but now it's just something that we do. And with the holidays of Thanksgiving and Christmas quickly approaching, we might be able to imagine some of these types of traditions. I myself have one that is particular to my own family that was born in this way. Many years ago on Christmas Day evening, we all gathered to play some board games with the family, but hunger began to set in, and already having seconds, and I'm sure cousin Willie had thirds and fourths already, we desired something different than Christmas dinner. So, we decided to search out for a pizza place that might still be open. And that's a daunting task. While we searched the phone books, yes, it was that long ago, we made some calls, and finally, just before we were about to give up, we found a place still open Papinetti's Pizza. For years to follow, every Christmas day night, we looked forward to finding a place that was open for pizza, if not having to just resort to cooking one ourselves. There's just nothing like pizza after a lovely Christmas celebration. That's a tradition that grew out of practical reason, but now it's just something that has carried on throughout the years. And for you out there, there might be something similar in your own lives. For the church, the same can be said as well when it comes to the practice of traditions. Some have been born out of direct preaching and teaching against false doctrines or misunderstandings, combating negative issues, while others came to be traditions over the years because of a logistical incident that caused a particular practice to be formed. And while many traditions that the church might follow do not save us, there are some traditions that directly deliver to us that salvation. And the way in which we practice them teaches something much deeper than what's just on the surface. For instance, here at our church, We practice the tradition of kneeling when we confess our sins. Now, is the act of kneeling so important that if we did not do it, our sins would not be forgiven? No, we kneel because it helps activate the mind and the heart toward a more repentant attitude. There are numerous churches that do not kneel for confession and absolution, yet their sins are still forgiven because the word of God is proclaimed and active there. God's word is the saving agent. But if we removed the tradition and the act of confessing our sins, how would we know, hear, or believe that we are truly forgiven or even receive that forgiveness at all? Even if we knelt the whole entire service, If the act of God's saving absolution was not present, what's the point? We choose to practice the tradition of kneeling here because we have the equipment available, so why waste it? But also because we fully express our dreadful sinfulness so that we might receive the glorious forgiveness given to us from the Lord. We kneel, appealing to God's almighty mercifulness, in which he truly does respond each and every day. That tradition activates the heart and the mind for full confession. The entirety of our worship is steeped in tradition, and all those traditions teach and preach something, even the tradition of amissing some things. And we'll see that come Advent and Lent when we leave certain things out of the liturgy. When you walk into a church what and how they practice tends to be what they preach and believe. Now, there's a million other aspects that I could talk about from the placement of the baptismal font to the way in which the acolytes light the candles, the movements that the pastor might do, or even the way in which we receive communion, all of which preach and teach something regardless if you know it or not. But talking about all those things would just take all day and I don't have the time, nor do you. Rather, I want to remind us of one specific tradition in which our scripture readings focus upon. The living tradition that is our Lord in heaven. A Lord who sees, has heard, knows, and comes. Something that only a living God could do. We celebrate, preach, teach, Confess and proclaim that our Father in heaven, his only Son, our Lord, and the Holy Spirit is the living God. We first hear about this living tradition when he tells Moses his name. I am who I am. Our Lord is a God who is. Always has been, always will be. He is the God of our father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, in whom all three are still living because they have been brought into salvation. That is His name forever, and thus He is to be remembered throughout all generations. The tradition of a living God was challenged countless times throughout the Old Testament and even into the time of Christ. Yet the Lord has seen the affliction of His people He hears our cries, He knows our suffering, and has delivered them and us out of such a pit. He came to us Himself to bring us into a promised land. Jesus Christ saw, heard, knows, and came for us, and yet He still faced those who denied the resurrection and those who denied Him. Denying the resurrection is a statement that nullifies one's belief in such a tradition of a living God. You cannot be a Christian and deny the resurrection. The early church knew this. They knew that there were those who still denied the resurrection, yet they continued to practice that tradition of celebrating Christ's resurrection. They practiced that tradition on a day that we still call Easter, the earliest of the church holy days. We too practice a tradition of proclaiming the resurrection and the work that the living God has done, Not just on Easter, but we do this tradition every time we confess the creeds. We confess the creeds to each other, in front of each other, so that we might know that we are the people of the resurrection. The creeds were born out of necessity to clear up confusion and set apart those who truly believed what the scriptures had said and those who reject its teachings. We confess the resurrection and the living tradition of our God each and every time we participate in the Lord's Supper. You all know these words. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks because He is risen from the dead and lives and reigns to all eternity. All who believe in Him will overcome sin and death and will rise again to new life. Not only that, But the very eating and drinking Christ's body and blood in faith strengthens and preserves us to life everlasting. How silly would it be to eat something like that that consisted of things that were dead? The Lord promised Moses that he will bring his people out of Egypt and they will serve him on the mountain. And they did. He promised Adam and Eve and mankind that he will deliver us out of sin, death, and the devil. And he has. So now we worship and serve him on this mountain of the church the holy city in which God is seen clearly through His word and His sacraments. So we stay steadfast together in the traditions that have been established because those traditions preach and teach. They remind and comfort us in what the Lord has done. We stay together through the tradition of hearing God's word and the tradition of receiving His body and blood because that is how the Lord is remembered throughout all generations. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to Him, we ask you not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word. Let no one deceive you in any way. The Lord has established through His church beautiful traditions which preach His own living tradition of mercy and love for us because He is not God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to Him. Everything that we do each Sunday preaches and teaches that very thing. Our Lord Jesus Christ died, but now is living, and all who die in Christ live as well. Therefore, may our Lord Jesus Christ Himself And God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. To Him be glory forever and ever. Amen.